Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 147, Your Mental and Emotional Fitness Checklist. It's November 25th, 2023. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and so on. I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any capacity. My music is by Howie Moscovich. Your mental and emotional fitness checklist. Oh my heavens. I'm actually very excited to talk to you about this podcast, which this is one of my bold and daring um, out there uh, with my my self-exposed podcast, which apparently I'm not, not afraid to do. Because if I make a mistake, then I'll retract it. I'll issue an apology. I'll correct it. Like that's what you do. All right. So let me get a few housekeeping items out of the way before I dive right in. Number one, I am not a therapist in any capacity or a medical health professional. If you need medical or therapy advice, you should receive that from a licensed healthcare provider, of which I'm not. Next, if you happen to be in the deaf or hard of hearing community, I would ask that you let your people know in your communities that I do have transcripts for all of my podcasts on my hosting platform, rss.com. Hopefully in 2024, I'll have the transcripts also on my website. That's been a little bit challenging. Uh, I mean, we had them and then we didn't and whatnot. Uh, And the transcripts actually are good for the hearing community because you'll see I recommend later in this podcast. This is a podcast you're going to want to print out and use as a helpful cheat sheet. Now I am doing my giveaway, not giving away the items until January, February of 2024, but please go ahead and register so I have ample people when my IT uh, and the plug-in pull the winners next year. And lastly, but not least, last but not least, if while you're listening to this podcast right now or in the preceding months, weeks, what have you, you have been feeling as if life is too hard for you or you feel suicidal, or you feel that nobody cares about you, or you're deeply depressed, or anything of that genre, I'm asking you to call 1-800-273-8255. That is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That number is 1-800-273-8255, or you can call or text 988. Now, I haven't confirmed that 988 is operational in every U.S. state, It may or may not be, I don't know. But there you've got your two numbers or the 988. So make that call or text because I promise you there's help available. And I promise you if you understood why you're feeling that way, likely trauma, very likely adverse childhood experiences, could be current abuse going on right now, you would feel like a million bucks and you'd begin to get the tools to help yourself. This podcast, by the way, is a tool. It's a tool to outline what you need to be able to love life because life is hard. All right, that's that. All right, so we're going to dive in with a couple statistics about mental or emotional health. So according to the World Health Organization, the WHO, they are estimating globally that one out of 
every four people will be impacted by a mental illness at some point in their lives. Now, they're not saying you would have a mental illness, but you would be impacted by it. Now, uh, deaths worldwide, 14.3% of deaths worldwide are attributed to mental health disorders. The United States, Colombia, the Netherlands, and Ukraine tend to have higher mental illnesses across most classes of disorders. And in the United States, over half, 54% of adults do not receive treatment for their mental illness. For those who do receive treatment for their mental illness, it is usually a delay between the onset of symptom to treatment to the first treatment of about 11 years. Now, we have seen an increase in depressive symptoms and anxiety worldwide due to the COVID-19 pandemic of about 28% and 25% respectively. So an increase in depressive symptoms by 28% and anxiety by about 25%. One in four Americans, 18 and older, suffers from a diagnosable mental disorder in any given year. And some people suffer from more than one. The U.S. ranks 29th in the world for the prevalence of depressive disorders. So in other words, up to 5% of, of Americans will have a depressive disorder. So when we look at um, mental health issues, I'm gonna list off very predominantly the more common ones. So there's a, there's a, whole, there's a whole book of depressive, or not depressive, there's a whole book of mental health issues and disorders. This is just a sampling anxiety disorders, depression, bipolar disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, schizophrenia, eating disorders, disruptive behaviors, and dissocial disorders, obsessive compulsive disorder, otherwise known as OCD, drug use disorder, alcohol use disorder, hoarding disorder, being a psychopath is a diagnosis, antisocial personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, and so many more. And that does not include, by the way, the impact of trauma, the impact of trauma on mental health, physical health, emotional health, cognitive processing, and behaviors. So that's a sampling of mental health issues. So what's the prevalence? Like, why is this a big deal? Well, according to the research, and I laid out the research in my podcast titled Stop with the Drama. So if you want the source for this fact I'm going to give you, it's in the Stop with the Drama podcast. You could just look at the transcript and get the source. But it's very interesting. So up to one third, up to one third of the United States population deals with the impact of either severe psychopathy or antisocial personality disorder. That's up to 70.4 million Americans, up to a third. So we're, we're gonna lay this out. So now we've got up to a third of us, you, us, dealing with the impact. That doesn't mean you have severe psychopathy or you have antisocial personality disorder, but those mental illnesses, severe as they are, and they're bad, they like ruin people's lives. There's a, there's a ripple effect. So. There's a third of the American population. Now we're going to pile on 
alcoholics we no longer call alcoholics alcoholics we call them alcohol people with alcohol use disorder aud that's 14.5 million americans hoarders interestingly enough because hoarding is very very secretive there we only have estimates we don't have accurate numbers so it's estimated between five to 14 million americans so notice that range that's a huge range and that's why now domestic violence so domestic violence we are tracking because where there's violence we can actually track it and one in four women or 25 percent of women in the u.s will have severe intimate partner violence and one in seven men like one in seven men so now we've got a third of the population with uh dealing with the impact of severe psychopathy or antisocial personality disorder we've got 25 percent of women dealing with domestic domestic violence and you know one in seven men now we're going to add on with and we've got the hoarders and we've got the alcohol use disorder now we're going to add on drug use 19.4 percent of americans over the age of 12 have used an illegal drug in the past year and it's estimated that 20 million americans have a substance use disorder that is for people over the age of 12. so now you can see we've got all of these people there's like and they're not they're not necessarily the same people but we have all of these disorders we have all of these problems and where does that leave us? Well, I've got to tell you, I, it, or, to prepare for this podcast, as many of you know, if you follow, <laughs> follow along, I like to do my little dive into PubMed. The, that's the government repository or the government warehouse of approved or sanctioned medical research. So there is a body of medical research that does not get included in PubMed, which I'm not happy about necessarily, but hey, it's not my not my problem. But anyway, it was very interesting because I went to look up, okay, what is the definition of good mental health and what is the criteria for good mental health? And oh my heavens, people, this is where I'm going to say, Houston, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. So it's shocking to me. So the CDC has a mental health definition that states it includes our emotional and psychological and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others, and make healthy choices. That's pretty vague. Well, uh, the NIH doesn't go much further, but it does add self-care to the definition. So what is good mental health? So in PubMed, I found the European Neuropsychopharmacology, Pharmacology, uh, Volume 31, February 2020, pages 33 to 46. What is good mental health? It's a scoping review. Now, this was a review of the literature in on uh, good mental health, and they give the, the key search words, but it's, th- it's th- through PubMed from from whatever to through July 31st, 2019. And here's the bottom line, people. Here is the scary, 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 I think shocking bottom line. Might not be shocking to some of you. Some of you are probably like, oh yeah, I, I know that. I figured that. But we do not have consensus on the basics of what forms good mental health. With some of the definitions 
using lack of a mental health issue as part of the definition, which we all know is not, not a good idea to, to define something by exclusion, but you know, it, it happens. So in this, um, in this article, what is good mental health, a scoping review in the European neuropsychopharmacology volume 31, February, 2020 pages 33 to 46, uh, there are eight competing definitions of what constitutes good mental health promotion. Eight competing definitions. So in the world as of 2023, I didn't find anything that changed it from, from the, the article I'm talking about. Uh, we have no consensus. We have no agreement or consensus on what constitutes good mental health. Is that not jarring? Is that not shocking? Is that not problematic? It is a problem. It is a big problem. Now, I, I really do understand some of you are not surprised and some of you are probably chuckling that, okay, like Lisa, you're showing a little bit of naivete that you think it, it should be a, a, a different way. Well, I might be showing a little bit of my naive sense of the world, but um, I, I do find it disturbing and shocking because where we don't have consensus, it's difficult to move forward with a platform. Like it's really a problem to move forward with a platform. So, so it's, it's actually, so it makes sense now. Earlier this year, when I put out my emotional processing workbook, which is free, it's on my website. If you're new to my podcast, it is a workbook. It's now over 20 pages. If you go to my website, www.lisaalundy.com. It's right on the right-hand side below the Newsweek logo. And it's a free downloadable workbook. And as I put that out, I was really struggling with how is it that this is not available? How is this not being taught? How is this not widely known? Because it's not widely known. And so I've come up with a number of different hypotheses, one of which being related to the fact that uh, we don't have agreement in psychology on many fronts. And here we are right back at the beginning. We don't even have agreement worldwide on what good mental health is. So if we don't have agreement on the basic bare bones definition of what good mental health is and what are the criteria, how could we ever then formulate a platform for process managing and processing your emotions? Well, to me, this is really, it's a, it's a, this is like, this is the, the underbelly, underpinnings, darkness in psychology that we need to interrupt. We need to flip it. We need to get going on this because this is, this is the foundation of mental health. And I've already covered the prevalence and the statistics and the issues. Well, they not having good mental health leads to addictions. It leads to mental health issues. It leads to suicidal thoughts and suicide and violence and domestic. And like it leads to all of our problems. So why would we not want this? Well, I'll tell you for one reason, um, it's not that we wouldn't want it necessarily per se, but it's, it's, uh, who's going to be the, the person to, um, put themselves out there and say, here, here, here's a platform, here's a model. Well, a lot of people won't do that because they don't want to be wrong. Well, I don't want to be wrong either people, but at some point we need some leadership to say, let's start somewhere. Let's start here. So what is missing? Well, what we're missing is we're missing a cohesive and integrated 
integrative or integrated approach. We need a definition. Number one, we need a definition. Number two, we need criteria. If people want to move from having a mental health problem or a mental health diagnosis to having really great mental and emotional fitness, where do they begin? What's the list? We have to have the criteria. And in that, I'm I'm adding my own stuff well, number one, it's my podcast. And number two, I want this grand illusion, this grand design for the world. I don't want my people to have like breadcrumbs. I want my people to have the best of everything. So we're going to throw in psychoneuroimmunology to the integrative approach where the impact of trauma, emotional stress, outside signals, outside clues, what's going on in your life will will be included as to the impact on the physical, emotional, mental health as the rule of law. Now, it is not the rule of law now, psychoneuroimmunology. And if you're if you're late to the party, I have a whole podcast on psychoneuroimmunology. This is like the thing you want to know about and bring into your life. And eventually, I'm, I promise you, eventually people, we will have this front and center in society. I don't know how long it'll take. I don't really care how long it'll take. I'm going to keep chipping away at it. With your help, going to join my team. So we're going to have psychoneuroimmunology rolled up into the criteria and the definition because the bell for psychoneuroimmunology can never be unrung. That science is golden. It will get deeper. It will get richer. It will get more refined. But we will never go back to the point in time where the mind-body connection is dismantled. The mind-body connection and the impact of, you know, your mental and emotional health on your physical health and vice versa is proven it's a done deal. We will also include in my grand vision of the world, psycho neuro or um, neuroplasticity science, because we know that people can change and we know how people can change and people can rewire their brain and reprogram their brain, which is especially helpful in mental and emotional health. Yes, it's very helpful. We would also incorporate the impact of low self-esteem. We are currently at the level of 85% of the population by all reports of having low self-esteem, meaning this is epidemic. What's not epidemic is us talking about the impact of low self-esteem on someone's thinking, on their behavior, on their perceptions, on their judgments, on everything. It's a huge Debbie Downer goes down the deep hole. It's bad, but we don't, we just, you know, we just kind of ignore that. Uh, we would also incorporate in my model, the, the impact of irrational thinking, which is also as huge as low self-esteem, I assert, And of course, of course, of course, we would incorporate the emotional processing steps in your mind, which is the steps that you do in your head. Now, um, if you go online, they're not talking online about what you do in your head. They're talking about, oh, punch a pillow, you know, rip up a piece of paper, draw a picture. That's not what you do in your mind. Those are physical actions. I'm not saying they're bad, but they're not what you do in your head. So we have to bring in the process, what you do in your head, the impact of love and affection and having love and affection and trauma-informed care and and the and information about trauma responses because we've just kind of dropped that out. Now, oh, and I forgot to mention <laughs> the U.S. has the highest suicide rate and the second highest drug-related death rate. So we, we, are, we are not, we are not, some, it's not something to be proud of people in, in 
our in our country in America anyway. So if you go online, they're going to tell you, yes, you should, you know, make a gratitude list. If you're really upset, it's probably maybe not the best time to make a gratitude list. What, what would be better would be to deal with your emotions. So let's talk about for a moment the obstacles to good mental health. Well, clearly I've already outlined one of the biggest, which is we don't have any consensus on what good mental, the definition of good mental health or good mental health promotion. And we clearly do not have consensus or agreement on the criteria for good mental health. So that doesn't leave people with a place to begin. It leaves the world confused. It, it, it's not, it is a horrible thing. So that's number one, that's a huge obstacle. And number two, we don't have a platform for how to manage and process your emotions. That is part of mental health. You cannot separate managing and processing your emotions and emotional regulation from mental health because they, they are part of each other. They go together. Another objection or obstacle to mental health and fitness is cost. Well, let me just tell you people, my motivation, I already have mental health and emotional health. I have it. This is my gift. Like, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, whoever. Thank you for that. Now, my gift is to share it with you and it's free. So, we don't have an excuse because you have free content to help you. Now, the question becomes, well, what material is valuable? Con where is it reliable? Where is it truthful? That's a whole can of worms. I The only thing I can say about that is I have seen content by people who are licensed and it's baloney. It's just, it's so bad. It's so bad. I, I am, it leaves me speechless. It leaves me speechless and it contributes to mental health problems for other people. So my content, at least on, on one hand, is approved by psychotherapists, approved by medical doctors for being research-based and therapy-approved techniques. So even though I'm not a therapist and even though none of my content is designed to be medical or therapy advice, it is at least approved by a pool of physicians and a pool of therapists for the reasons I just gave, being number one, research-based, and number two, therapy-approved techniques. Another obstacle for mental and emotional health for some people is they don't know where to begin. That's understandable. I totally get it. And clearly, we've got no consensus on definition, no consensus on how to manage and process emotions. We have no consensus in psychology for much. I mean, other than what diagnoses are in the diagnostic manual. That seems to be the only place we've got consensus is if these things are wrong with you, here's what it looks like. So you don't know where to begin. So just begin. You just start somewhere. And I'm giving you a place to start today. Another objection, interestingly enough, is that your family or friends will be upset and rail against it. Yes, some of them will. They most certainly will. They will They will probably do worse than that. So what? You can have that be an objection or you can have it be a so what? I'm going to have this great, amazing life. Like another objection is you will have to make some changes. Yes, so what? So what? Big deal. Make the changes you need to make because the goal is you are emotionally and mentally fit. Life does not take you down. You're in charge of your life. Life is good. And even if you have a nearly fatal car accident, 
<laughs> okay, that would be me if you if you're new if you're brand new to my podcast, that would be me as of Labor Day. So we're coming up on almost three months. And no, it did not take me out of the game. It did not like, yes, I cried five to 10 minutes a day for the first five weeks, at least, maybe a little longer. Uh, Sometimes on a bad day, twice a day. But I dealt with my emotions because that's what I know how to do. That's what I'm the expert at. So, you know, you want to have this amazing life where when things happen, you don't tank. You don't lose your stuff. You are able to deal with your emotions and then carry on. Like I dealt with my emotions and I've been carrying on and not, and not miserably. <laughs> I, I would say I have, I, I think it, uh, so I was at Cedarwood rehab in Tyrone for a little over a month, month and a, a day, a couple days. And I interacted with at least 37 or 38 people there because I, I made a list. <laughs> I was going to call them out by name on podcasts, but there's too many, but they could tell you I made them laugh and I was fun and I enjoyed myself. And of course, some of them caught me crying. So they know that I was processing my emotions. But you want a life where your mental and emotional fitness is in good shape because then things will not take you out of the game. Another objection is that some people might drop you. So what? If people drop you because you're getting healthy, uh, hint, hint, probably they don't belong in your life. Uh, Another objection is, oh, I don't have the time. Well, that is an excuse, actually. And if you wanted to have the time or you wanted to make the time, you would. That's just how life goes. So, by the way, I do have a podcast on time management that if time is truly, really a problem for you, you would probably do best to listen to my Overwhelm podcast. I have a podcast on Overwhelm, which is a construct, by the way, that you can deal with and the time management podcasts or making a list. Well, I've got several podcasts that can help you, but it is an excuse that you can handle. And my last objection that I listed out is that you're worried you'll find out something bad about yourself. Okay, that's, that's I have that as last on my list, but that's probably actually a very high concern that some people have. And I have to tell you, in all the years that I've worked with people, um, you know, people typically never find anything horrible about themselves. Like, unless you're a monster, you're not going to find out something horrible. You're going to find out probably that you might might be trauma bonded with an abuser, which could be your family, could be a best friend, could be your spouse or significant other. Like, you'll find out things about yourself because it is a journey of self-discovery. But I have not yet to meet someone who, oh, I take that back. Okay, so I know one person who is a severe psychopath, meaning that their psychopath checklist, uh, was it the revised or the screening version? One of those two. Uh, Their score was extremely high. I was in the dangerous. And they already knew there was something wrong with them. But with the exception of someone who's a severe, a psychopath, maybe in our, you know, except for a few people, um, you're not going to find out anything bad. And even if you found out you were a narcissist, you can, you could fix that. Now it's unlikely that a narcissist would fix it. Um, but you could, I mean, there are a few mental health disorders that are harder than others to correct. But for the most part, it is, it is highly unusual that someone finds out something really, really awful or bad about themselves. Now, if you have addictions, you already know you have addictions. You might be in denial about your addictions. Or, you know, if you have 
uh, toxic family members or there's some, you know, poor family dynamics or dysfunctional family dynamics, you probably already know about that. That's not going to be a surprise. But it is one thing that holds people back. My, my suggestion to you is ask yourself, what kind of life do you want? I don't know. I want you to have an amazing life. I want you to have love and affection and all the good stuff. That's what I want for you. That's what I have for myself. I'm always going to I am always going to have that for myself. I don't care what anybody says or does. That's how my life goes. Um, I actually said to one of the nurses in the rehab, I forget what we were talking about, but I just looked at her and I shook my head. I said, listen, my life always has a way of working out. It always works out. Just, just wait and see. And she came back after, I don't know, some time and she said, you know what? She said, you're right. Your, your life really does work out, doesn't it? And I said, yes, it does. And that's, that's an empowering attitude or belief that I have. But those are some of the common objections as to why people shy away from dealing with their mental or emotional health or wellness. So I am going to go boldly where no one has gone that I know of, that I can tell, and give you a checklist. So this is my rendition. And, and by the way, this is the top, say, 22 things. I could go well beyond that. But for for beginners, for starting, for a place to start, I am putting out this checklist. So you can then eventually, uh, when the, when the transcripts transcript is up, print it out and use it as a checklist. And I would do it exactly like that. If your life is not like cooking on all cylinders, happy, happy, you're like in charge, you're like loving life. If your life isn't like that, then yes, it's time to get a checklist. It's time to get to work or you can suffer. Like it's completely up to you. I have no skin in the game. If you want to spend the next year two years, whatever, suffering, go right ahead. It's your life. I, however, am committed to a world of happiness, health, and well-being because that's what I want for my future. It's what I want for the future of my children and generations to come. That's what I want. I want a better world. And when, when there's more love and affection in the world, that makes the world better. So here is my checklist. Now, well, I'll say more about it after I go through the checklist. And and for each of these criteria, by the way, I have a podcast or multiple podcasts on, so I am not going to explain each one in detail because I have a whole somewhere between a 25 to 40 minute or whatever podcast on each of these topics. So number one out of the gates, which we, which in my opinion, we rare, I rarely hear people talking about. It should be the first thing we are talking about in my opinion is rational thinking. If you're going to look that up, you would want to look up cognitive distortion. That's another term for rational thinking. But if your thinking is not rational, then you have irrational thinking. And irrational thinking, also known as a cognitive distortion, means your thinking is distorted, flawed, or off base. It's not correct. So that's a problem. So number one, rational thinking. Number two, this is a made-up term, standalone self-esteem. Currently, we have 85% of the population with low self-esteem. I'm talking about feeling good about yourself separate from your money, your career, your relationships, your life, so that you feel good about yourself as a human being, separate from everything. Self-care, self-compassion. 
Next up, emotional skills. And I have that broken down into number one, emotional regulation, and number two, emotional processing and managing. To that end, on my website below the Newsweek logo, as I already mentioned, I have a free workbook for you. So now you don't have an excuse because it's not going to cost you $25 or any amount of money. You don't have to pay for a membership to join my site like many people do. It's free because I give more than two hoots about your mental health because the people who don't have good mental health are kind of ruining other people's lives. So we need everyone to get on the bandwagon and get emotional skills. So that's number five. Number six, coping strategies. And I do mean healthy coping strategies. Boundaries, love and affection. My next one, number nine, is social connections, friends, relationships. That's like having meaningful connections with other human beings in whatever capacity that is. A sense of goals, purpose, or meaning to life. That's been very important in the research. Assertiveness. Next up, happiness. And I do mean happiness separate from your circumstances. That is not how people talk or do happiness. But for me, this is very specific. You need happiness skills that are driven separate, driven by things outside of your circumstances because your circumstances can easily change and then can tank you. But if you know how to be happy and healthy and you have emotional skills, then you can have a nearly fatal car accident and, and get through it with flying colors, much to the chagrin of the hospital and rehab staff as they watch you move through the process. Optimism, resilience, gratitude are also on the list. Hobbies or meaningful activities that you enjoy. Next up, life skills. I don't frequently talk about life skills, but for a mental and emotional checklist, it does need to go on. We do need people, people need to know how to cook for themselves, clean, do organizational things, budgeting and finances that will help people immensely. Trust me. Uh, integrity and character are personality traits that can be worked on and improved. Number 19, I have empathy because we do not want more psychopaths. And a lack of empathy is a hallmark for either psychopathology or psychopathy, narcissism, or, or being a psychopath. So empathy has to be on there as a particular emotional trait. Uh, next up, I have basic psychology terms. I am a diehard fan of this, and I, I will be hard-pressed to be argued out of it, although I suppose you, you could give it a good college try, because when you are processing your emotions, I go back to number five on my list, which was emotional skills. If you're missing basic psychology, that can leave you with a flawed or distorted processing and managing of your emotions. Because if someone's projecting their emotions onto you, projecting being a psychology term, and you're processing it like they really think that instead of, oh, they're just projecting, you're going to get a different outcome and you're not going to get the proper processing. So it's very important, in my opinion, to have some very basic psychology. I'm not talking about PhD psychology. I'm talking about basic terms of which I outlined in a podcast which probably needs to be updated because now I would add betrayal trauma, trauma bonding, 
uh, betrayal blindness and a few other oh triangulation a few other terms but anyway basic psychology terms next up i have on the list forgiveness and while forgiveness is optional what we know from the mental health research is that being a forgiving person as opposed to holding a grudge is definitely better for your mental health for that research we have we know that which is why i included forgiveness you don't have to forgive but your mental health will be improved if you can process your emotions and then get to that point and lastly i have learning to control your mind which we now kind of call mindfulness uh, we also call it being present and that really handles people who get into the brooding ruminating catastrophizing overthinking negative thinking and that type of thing so there's a checklist of 22 items which i stand by to be a starting point for mental and emotional fitness checklist so here's in my final comments i will say this number one i challenge you or anyone to um come at me and and challenge what i'm saying now i'm not afraid to make a mistake and i'm not afraid to get something wrong i i you know at some point somebody has to be the one to say we we have a problem houston we have a big problem houston houston can you hear me let's get on this so we need criteria we need a definition and this is a starting place so now if i'm wrong i would delete this podcast or anything else related to it issue an apology and a correction now if you're going to challenge me on my checklist number one my request is i have a rich body of science backing me up you to challenge me need a rich body of research none of this like fluky uh fringe like oh what's the fringe oh oh i can't even think of this one fringe term um oh imposter syndrome yeah yeah you go into pubmed and you see how few hits you get on imposter syndrome because it's just another name for low self-esteem and a bunch of other things so imposter syndrome's baloney according to pubmed i did i did go into pubmed look it up so if you want to challenge me please do but bring a rich body of research because we do research and science-based things here we don't do oh it's my opinion so if all you have is an opinion no thank you keep your opinion to yourself however if you've got a rich body of research that says oh my gosh did i even include love and affection oh i did did i say boundaries love and affection i hope i did um I should just read through the list again, or I'll check it when I do my uh, transcript. But uh, coping strategies, healthy boundaries, love and affection. I think I said that. Um, so challenge me. Yes, please do. But criteria is it's not just your opinion. We have plenty of people who are righteous, arrogant, opinionated, know-it-all, who will challenge anything. I think we call them Karens now. But bring your body of research to tell me why love and affection shouldn't be on the list because I know the research on neuroplasticity about love and affection. We have actually decades of research on love and affection with infants and animals and all kinds of things. So you can challenge me. I welcome a challenge, but I'm not going to welcome a challenge from somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about or worse somebody who i won't mention their name who has one or maybe more degrees who tells people the wrong stuff all the time like i, I i'm appalled at what's out there it's appalling it's it's troubling so challenge me 
Your opinion doesn't count. You have to have facts because we use facts and science and rational thinking. This is how it goes, people, to arrive at conclusions. So that's number one. Please challenge me. If I'm wrong, I'll delete it. I'll issue an apology. I'll issue a correction. I'll acknowledge I got something wrong. I am not afraid to make a mistake. This is, this is as bold as it gets, people. When we do not have a collective definition worldwide on what is good mental health or good mental health promotion, and we do not have a criteria, this is pretty bold to make a, a list and say, here's a starting point. But somebody has to do that. Somebody has to say, the emperor has no clothes. Houston, we have a problem. Let's get together. So I'm doing it. And if I'm wrong, oh, well. <laughs> Like, if I'm wrong, so what? Like, really? All right. My second point in my final comments is I want you to have fun. Like, go on a mental and emotional fitness journey, but make it fun. Like, first of all, don't do it by yourself. You can do it by yourself, but you will have 10 times more fun if you take people with you. I promise you. But have prizes and have games and have like events and you could do costumes. You could literally, literally not kidding, have so much fun going on a journey to mental and emotional fitness. You really could. I promise you, you could. So make it fun. I'm, I'm, listen, I have a podcast about playful, being playful and fun. And I'm a fan of that because life is hard. You don't need to have a nearly fatal car accident or have all of your money fraudulently stolen and be left with a pile of debt illegally to know how hard life is. You don't have to have those things happen. Like Life is hard every day. So make life fun. Now, if you go on the journey to, you know, boost your mental and emotional fitness, you might, I would suggest you notice who rails against that, what you're doing, who rails against it. So it could be subtle or it could be uh, not subtle. It could be, oh, yeah, no, you shouldn't listen to her or, oh, that's bad advice or, you know, could be could be a lot of things. But just notice, my suggestion is you don't need to defend yourself. You don't need to defend yourself or your actions if you're listening to my content, if you're listening to somebody else as well, you may or may not because I'm, I'm really, it's disturbing to me what people are allowed to say without being checked. It's disturbing. I don't care whether you're licensed or not. There are certain things that people say that tell me, oh, you don't know about domestic abuse. Oh, you don't know about economic abuse. Oh, you don't know about trauma. Oh, you don't know about trauma bonding. You don't know, like you don't know and you're giving people bad advice. So Notice how people react. Now, some people are going to attack you. If for no other reason than you are doing life, quote, quote, doing life, end quote, differently than them. And that's all the reason they need. Like when you do something different from the norm or different from the crowd, uh, people aren't going to like that. <laughs> they don't. They, they feel invalidated. Like you're not validating their way of doing life. So you just want to notice that. Carry on. Straighten your crown and carry on. You do not need to defend yourself. You can notice and take note and observe. And there will be, however, probably, if you have a toxic people or a highly dysfunctional family or circle of friends, uh, you might infuriate people. People might be so infuriated. And if and when people, the angrier people get, you might then start to pull apart, well, maybe you're the family scapegoat, or maybe you're the scapegoat in your posse of friends, or maybe you're trauma bonded with someone. But ask for help if you need it, but you really want to notice other people's reactions 
to you doing something good for yourself. Listen, I promise you, that list I gave you for the emotional and mental fitness checklist, I promise you, I can back up every one of those things with research, which by the way, if you go listen to the podcast on all those topics, some of the research is in the podcast. So, you know, but it's, it's, it's likely that you might be the person in your family that's breaking cycles. And if you're going to break cycles, people are probably going to get upset. And so let them be upset. Like your job in life is to manage you and your life. Now, if you have children, it's to raise them, etc. But, you know, you, you might be a people pleaser or, you know, it really might be that you're, you know, if you're in domestic abuse, oh my God, I, I totally... I totally have compassion for that. I understand that. That's really hard, uh, but you can still go on this journey. You might not be able to get out of the domestic abuse at the at the present time, and it might take you years. I mean, it took me years until uh, you're safe and you can get out of it, but you can get to work on yourself. My suggestion would be that you print out the transcript, which will be available you know, by tomorrow, and then use it as a checklist. Do I have love and affection in my in my life? Do I need more love and affection? And I say love and affection that doesn't have to be romantic. I mean, I have love and affection. It's not romantic, but I'm telling you what, some romantic man is going to come into my life because why not? I mean, I'm not like, I'm not a terrible person. <laughs> um, but use the checklist, use the transcript, print out the transcript and use it as a checklist. So if you don't have enough love, you can put that in. You can start to go, hmm, Am I a rational thinker? Well, let's listen to that podcast. Let's look that up. Let's figure that out. Because you can move from irrational to rational. You can move from any point to any other point, as we know from neuroplasticity of the brain. So those people you hear do videos or reels or whatnot that are saying people can't change, I'm sorry, let me introduce you to neuroplasticity of the brain, a proven science, the bell's been rung, and oh my gosh, you, you're not with it. So there's bad, that's bad advice because you can buy books on rewiring your brain, reprogramming your brain, all on the rich science. It's very rich. It's very deep. It's actually, the science is so rich and so deep on neuroplasticity and psychoneuroimmunology. It's way over my pay grade. It's way, it's way over my head. Uh, I mean, like deep down, like the core science, like the, the really deep, deep science. So you know, use the transcript as a checklist and make this like wild, amazing, fun journey. My assertion, I don't have proof on this and I don't even think that there could possibly be any proof whatsoever at this point, given that we don't even have a definition for good mental health and given that we do not have any consensus checklist whatsoever, that I think when you have, this is my hypothesis or my assertion at this point, I think when you have good mental and emotional fitness, when your mental and emotional fitness house is in order and, and strong, because you have the things that I just covered on that checklist, I don't think people can take that away from you. I think people can, can hurt you and they can you know, be abusive and do really horrible things, but you'll have the platform to recover. Like there were, there were years where I really didn't look very good because I was, it was, a, it was a struggle. If you go through domestic abuse, it's a struggle. Um, and, but I didn't lose my self esteem. Like, like I was being abused, but I still had, 
you know, feeling good about myself. It was just struggling in the day-to-day -day life. So this is a very important thing for you to get, for you to get your emotional and mental fitness house in order, because it's a, it's very protective. It's, it's, you know, I mean, I think you see people say, well, you know, that, that my husband or my wife, you know, t took away my self-esteem. I'm not sure that's how it works. I'm not because, well, we only have 15% of the population that actually has self-esteem. So, you know, the people I've seen say that on a show, on a reality show, didn't have self-esteem from the very beginning of the show, in my opinion, based on how they behaved. So get this for yourself because you want to have an amazing life. Or you could make excuses and, and do nothing. It's really your choice. So I'm bold and courageous to say, here's here's emotional and mental fitness. Here's a checklist. Let's get this shared on social media because you care. I mean, I hope you care about other people. And this is what will help other people is the recognition that there's something they can do to improve their mental and emotional health that will be longstanding. So... Let me know what you think. I love you. That's it for now. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 147, your mental and emotional fitness checklist. I certainly hope you are going to take this and run with it, play with it, have fun with it, and make this checklist and this concept of your mental and emotional fitness, your number one priority as we move into a new year. Why not? Play with it, laugh with it, have fun. And definitely, I'm asking you to share this podcast on social media to help other people get their mental and emotional house in order because it's necessary and we need it. I hope you're doing well. Hang in there for now. Love you. That's it.